Edward and the soft candlelight from the branch on the mantelpiece. He was a handsome man, she thought, with his thick, nearly black hair. It wasn't a blue black, like those Irish rogues she'd met, nor was it the shiny coal black, like hers, that reflected light and held deep reds. No, it was thick, and it was nearly black, deep-looking, and it curled slightly against the back of his neck. It was his eyes that held one's attention— they were brown with yellowish flecks, the eyes of a fox, intelligent eyes, shrewd and cynical. He was lean and firm, endowed with a beautiful male body. He was an athlete and a renowned sportsman, the foremost rider in the Four Horse Club, she'd heard it said. Also, to his credit, he was a favorite of Gentleman Jackson, that famous fighter who now instructed rich men in the art of boxing, whose remarks were that Viscount Castle Ross was possessed of remarkable science, enduring strength, and wily intelligence. She didn't know what remarkable science referred to, but it sounded again as if he was superior, and thus she savoured it because he was hers, at least for a time. Four months now. It seemed so short a span. When would he tire of her? She shook her head unconsciously, unwilling to raise that dreaded spectre. He was beyond any woman's reach, she thought, even a lady of quality, which she wasn't. How many times had he laughed and stated flatly that marriage wasn't for him, but he believed ardently in the particular philosophy expounded by his father, that the wise and sane man married no earlier than the age of forty, and that he picked a girl no more than eighteen who was healthy as a stoat, a good breeder, and malleable as a sheep. He begat an heir, then left the child alone to grow without learning the vagaries of his sire. Knight Winthrop, Viscount Castle Ross, was many years yet from that fateful age of forty, having attained his twenty-seventh year some three months before. He was a renowned bachelor, sardonic in his cynicism, but rarely cruel in his wit. She looked at him as he washed his long, muscular legs. His motions were fluid and graceful. He made love in such a way, never hurried, always in control of her and of himself, and always with skill. But she sensed, she knew, that he remained somehow apart from her, alone and apart. Beyond her, she'd thought once, when she'd watched his face as he reached his own pleasure. Even your feet are lovely. His head jerked up and he laughed. What did you say? My feet are what? Daniela shook her head. She hadn't realized she'd spoken aloud. She knew better than to say something so stupidly revealing and quickly retrenched. No, no, my lord. I said your feet are dirty and need to be washed as much as the rest of you. He didn't want to know of feelings. He would dismiss her if he felt she wanted him for more than as a generous protector. He wouldn't be unkind or cruel, but he would leave. She rose slightly off the bed and stretched languidly, aware he was looking at her. Then, equally languidly, she lay down again. Put on something or it will be the worst for you, he said, and his voice was rough. She made him randy again, her negligent pose on her side, her bountiful breasts pressed together, the smooth line of her hip made even more enticing by her position. Her hair was as black as only an Italian's could be, and her flesh as white as, not snow, he decided. Even in his thoughts, he didn't relish being common. Her flesh was pale, that was all. 
and those dark almond-shaped eyes of hers showed all the passion of her Neapolitan heritage. He tossed her a peignoir, a frothy peach affair that he'd bought her some weeks before. He watched her slip into it, her movements so practiced that they seemed as naturally seductive as a virgin's. Tea, my lord? He nodded. His stomach suddenly growled. Anything to eat? Didn't you eat your fill at the wedding banquet? He grimaced. I was too nervous. Lord, the bride and groom wouldn't break apart. It was unnerving, and the ladies, of all ages, giggling and looking at me as if I were a grouse ready to be set upon by the hunters. I overheard one matron say to another that her daughter was just what Viscount Castle Ross needed. Imagine the impudence of that old bedlamite. Daniela laughed and left the bedchamber. Her maid Marjorie was long abed, and her cook and housekeeper didn't stay in the house.